Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. Tap into free content for e-commerce businesses looking to streamline operations and win over customers. Reports, ebooks, and webinars, Canada Post created it all for you. Download one of our free resources at canadapost.ca forward slash content. Here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business, it's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Really excited to bring to you something special that I've been working with, and that's a community a new community where we're engaging online with entrepreneurs from around the planet. And I invite you to join me. All you have to do is go to the link www.headspacefe.com where amazing conversations are happening with entrepreneurs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show where we hang out with rock star entrepreneurs and change makers from around the planet. But more particularly, we are focused in on Canadian entrepreneurs most of the time. And today, sit, get your seatbelts, put them on, put your helmet on. This is going to be a great ride because one, the guy's amazing. Two, he's an amazing friend. Greg Hemmings is on the show today. Greg Hemmings is an entrepreneur, filmmaker, and community movement maker with a commitment for positive social change. Greg achieves the change he wants to see in the world through his work as founder and CEO of Hemmings House, which that employs change makers who produce, who produce content to make a difference. His kind of impact storytelling helps companies authentically and strategically engage their target audiences, turning original ideas into strong connections, vibrant communities, and change for a kinder and happier world. And if you know this guy like I do, happy is around his sphere. Hemi's house is built on sustainability, social impact, accountability, and transparency, and it is and is a certified B corporation. Greg's work has appeared on networks like Bravo TV, W Network, CBC, and the Oprah Winfrey Network, and he's worked with companies like Amazon and Apple. Greg is a passionate and well-loved speaker and has spoken at many TEDx 
events. If speaking and filmmaking wasn't enough, Greg also offers workshops focused on building love economies, which is a gathering of entrepreneurs who are building businesses that center more around the creation of love on in our world. As well, Greg passionately speaks about corporate social responsibility, ethics in business, how to fund impact documentaries, and many other topics that touch on wellness, social good, and creativity in the world of entrepreneurship. And he is a freaking good dad today. He is at home with his daughter uh, looking after her because she is sick today. On today's show, we're going to talk to Greg about his journey and why making and sharing content that matters to him and promotes a better world is so important to him. Hey, buddy, welcome to the Startup Canada, Canada Podcast Show. <laughs> hey, 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 yeah. I've got, I've got my seatbelt and my helmet on as we speak. All right, let's get into your story. Let's get into your journey. Tell us about Greg Hemmings and what's your, tell us about your DNA and why is it you do what you do? Mm, okay. Well, uh, thank you, Rivers. So uh, what I do, let, let's start with what we do right now. So I run a company. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I've got a company called Hemming's House Pictures. And yes, we are a group of filmmakers, uh, but really we identify as storytellers. So we've got a passion for sharing stories uh, of different companies, especially companies doing really cool things in the world. Uh, but we also make TV shows. So we make our own original content. Uh, we've been doing this for many years. I incorporated this company in 2006. Um, but how I got here, Rivers, is uh, it goes way, 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 way back to literally when I was a kid. Um, so if you want to, like, I, I'm going to go right back okay. to when I was five years old, cool. just very quickly. When, when I was five, I remember a Bonnercourt Drive on the east side of St. John, New Brunswick. And I told the story last time I saw you. I saw kids uh, smashing frogs. It was boys. I have to make I make a point. It was boys. Girls do not smash frogs. Boys seem to. And I didn't understand why they would do that. Why would they be unkind to another living thing? Like that That really bothered me. Um, <clears throat> so let's just parking lot that for a second, okay? It was that point where I, I really sensed that experience of injustice in front of my own eyes, right? I witnessed it. I didn't feel comfortable about it. And I, it made me question humanity at that young age, right? Um, <clears throat> let's fast forward a little bit. I was blessed to, you know, have a really adventurous upbringing. You know, I was in Boy Scouts and camping in the woods all the time. And me and my buddies built tree houses and mountain biked and tented in the middle of the winter, all that stuff, you know, always had great adventures. And I always found myself as the one who, you know, really invested in capturing the moments, whether it's through photography or, you know, just using a camera or writing about experiences. Um, I was always a documenter of, uh, of my childhood friend group, you know, so much so that when I started playing in, in rock bands in high school, I was also the one that would keep all the band posters. Anytime we do, do a live show, for example, or, um, for example, we, my bands back in high school, we played on breakfast yeah. television a few times. What was the name of your band? What was the name of your play-doh fish and if you're on my facebook you can see, uh, seek it out on my videos it's hilarious and i just saw i just saw them the other day and but like i i would have kept all of those yeah. on beta max and on vhs tapes because but nobody else in the band would but i did because i had this sense of this will be valuable in the future for for 
to remember the experience, but also share the story. And I never knew why I wanted to document everything. I'm a bit of a documentation hoarder. So the, uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, the, this whole concept of, of capturing stories was always important to me. Now, I was never a film buff uh, growing up. I was playing outside too much. Um, but in grade 11 or 12, I think it was grade 12, I was in media studies class <clears throat> and because I, I thought I was going to be a rock and roll star the rest of my life. Not that I ever was, but I thought that's what I'd be, I'd play, playing drums in, the, in a band. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, in media studies, I was like, well, why don't I use the school equipment and shoot a music video for my band? So that okay. was essentially my first video that I did. And it was like three or four stacks of VCRs. You know what I mean? It was that old school type of editing, you know, uh, way, way back. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and the output was really fun to see it. And we shared it in front of the whole school. and Everybody loved it. And that that was my first little spark of, oh, my gosh, I can capture stories through video. Why not? And then mm. um, very, very quickly, Rivers, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but I, I went to university for one year. In front, uh, sorry, University of New Brunswick in St. John. Yes, yes. And it didn't do it for me uh, just because I was really – needing something hyper creative, you know, and first year of arts is just, it's more like a, an extension of high school. I'm sure it's awesome in second year, third year, fourth and whatever. Good recovery for those people uh, that have an arts degree. <laughs> well, you know, I, the, the arts degree made sense to me. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, I, I need to be, you know, building things with my hands, you know, different type of learning. So I found myself, um, at a party, uh, in 1995, a Christmas party. And without going to details, that party led me to signing up for film school in Ontario. And so the next three years I spent going to Niagara college and I literally fell in love with the, the medium of documentary filmmaking and regular filmmaking at school. And why is that surprising to hear? Well, I think it's fun to hear that I didn't have a passion for film before this. I didn't know anything about it. And I went to film school I tried it all and I found, I fell in love with it. I found excitement in editing, you know, editing was awesome. I was like, wow, I can bring these stories together. And it was all film. Like we shot on film, edited on film. So it was a very different process than it is today with digital. Um, but my track through film school was to get out and start working on Hollywood feature films, which as soon as I got out, I started working on those larger larger budget films, uh, in the union. And, uh, I worked in the film industry for three years and what film school didn't teach me was the toxic, uh, environments that a lot of film sets have. Uh, we hear a lot about what's happening in the me too and no more, you know, hashtag, uh, movements. Um, you know, that's uh, a very, it's very important that that comes to, to the forefront now. Uh, but I, you know, as a, I say privilege because I'm a, a, I'm a man in that industry. Uh, mm. As a privileged white man mm. in the industry, I probably got it a little easier than a lot of other people. But I still yeah. got crap beaten out of me. Like I was, uh, I experienced the feeling of being bullied for the first time in my life. As a mm. kid, I, I was never bullied. You as felt life. like the frog. I was the frog. I was the frog, the baby. Frog. Yeah. Uh, and um, so I, I was like. I don't have time for this, but I did because I tried it for three years, but it was just like, it was a, t I met amazing people, learned a whole bunch of cool things. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, am I going to spend the rest of my life, um, yes. working in a negative culture? Because the more I work in this negative culture, even though it's a creative industry, I felt, I found my creative 
energy and passion starting to die, like literally. Uh, uh. I, I realized that correlation those poor creative people who are working in stifling work environments. Ugh, don't go there. So I, I experienced another thing for the first time in my life uh, in the film industry, which was a feeling of failure. So I, I quit the film industry and it was everything that I was, I was working towards. My identity was wrapped up in it, all that stuff. Um, but I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is stupid. So I, I left and I felt that feeling that first week of what did I do? You know, like uh, uh. I quit and I, that's failure apparently. And I didn't like that feeling. Um, all that to say is in my, uh, in my depression, I was uh, convinced to go down to St. Andrews to the tidal pool bar and uh, hot toddy. This amazing blues <laughs> band was playing. And uh, so, uh, we had a couple of drinks, if you say, if you might say yeah. the rivers and uh, just to, you know, hop, just to make Greg a little happier. So I was dancing and having a good time, you know, forgetting about my, my woes. And I met this lovely lady who, who opened an incredible door for me. Epiphany opened a door for me that landed me literally a week and a half later in the Caribbean on a sailboat, uh, working as crew on a sailboat. And this is really cool. When, when you, when doors open, when you, when you shut a door very quickly, other doors open, you have to choose to walk through them or not. Right. Yes, sir. So I walked yes. through, I ended up spending three or four years in the Caribbean. Wow. Working, first of all, on a sailboat, sailing all through South America and the Caribbean, sailing cargo, like it was a working, yeah. working boat. It's, a, it's uh, incredible. And, and I'm going to pause you there because I think uh, people now need to know where they can go to learn about that journey. Because you've been putting it out on Instagram or something like that, some of the pictures and the stories from that time period. Is that true? Well, recently, yeah, Rivers, I've been releasing as much of those old day uh, uh, photos as, as I can. And uh, is, you can check me out at, at Greg Hemmings on Instagram to just see some of these old pirate. You'll see me with long dreadlocks. It's kind of funny. Oh, it's, 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 a, it's beautiful. And I love it and keep doing it. I really, and I'm glad we said at Greg Hemmings on Instagram. Okay. Back again. <laughs> while I was there, Rivers, I made the decision to buy my first video camera, even though I quit being a filmmaker. Um, I documented, as I do, everything while, while I was down there. And what I realized was, man, maybe, maybe I should keep doing this just on a personal level, like share my life, share my stories, you know? Um, yeah. So much so that, um, about a year later, I ended up working on a cruise ship and getting paid, you know, a fair bit of money as a young guy, as a video guy. I was the video dude. I was the guy that nice. made sure guests had ESPN and Cartoon Network and also all the naughty channels. That was that was me. I was the uh, the guy in the broadcast booth, <laughs> making sure every TV got what they were buying. <laughs> but I also was the guy poolside with the video camera, making the cruise and review videos and stuff. At the time, an avid editing suite would cost about one hundred twenty thousand dollars for digital editing. So I could yeah. never afford one of those, but the cruise ships had them. So I started learning how to, how to edit on digital video on cruise ships in the winter. I would come home and shoot music documentaries in the summer because my other passion was music. And then I started making a name for myself in the music documentary world to the point where people started asking if I would do something, you know, hi get hired to do a little video for their company or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I started getting paid in the summer times to do videos. And then I edit them in the winter on the cruise ships. It was a really funny way to do it. And then I started making a name for myself in that. And then I said, you know what? It's time to leave the Caribbean. And why don't I start a company? And the first company I started was with two friends of mine. And our, uh, we had a TV show 
called Plant Luxury for CTV and Discovery. Uh, and that was right out of the gate, pretty much. Uh, a big, big uh, budget TV show. We traveled all around the world for that. That led to a wrestling TV series called uh, Wrestling with Reality on the Fight Network, which led <laughs> to another wrestling show on a channel called Rad X called Cardinal Sinners, which led to an MMA series. It's so funny. I'm a peaceful guy and I don't like combat sports, but here I am. You st- yeah, you started this story with boys beating up frogs and how it totally impacted your life. Oh, dude, listen, here's what I learned. In the combat sports world, especially in wrestling, because wrestling is just, is just theater, right? Um, yeah, totally. No, the- wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to break Stop. that here, Rivers. The... Uh, <laughs> It's a professional sport. I'll have you know. <laughs> what I found about wrestlers, though, is the passion, right? And this is what attracted me to them was talk about great stories. Uh, these people uh, have so much passion. And um, after working in that world a little bit, we started doing, start tweaking it more towards the type of stories that I want to tell, which are more social impact stories. Like, so we started doing documentaries over the last decade that. Not only did well internationally on broadcast, but they started making positive change in our community. I was like, holy cow, this tool can actually connect with people's hearts in a way that makes them makes them do good things, you know? And uh, was that a was that a focus that you decided to make or was no, it just your clients wanted to make it. that? It just bumped into it. I just started realizing, wow, the projects we're doing are actually inspiring change in the in the broader community. I was like, whoa, that's really powerful. You're like, what kind of change? Let's use Sistema, for example. Um, Sistema Revolution. I had a corporate client uh, with the New Brunswick Youth Orchestra. They, uh, I didn't even know them at that time. We just got hired to shoot a concert of the Youth Orchestra and uh, Matt Anderson in Moncton. Yep, yep. Shot the, shot the uh, concert. And I met the, uh, the CEO of the, of the orchestra, and he was telling me that they really want to make the, uh, uh, the meritocracy of the NBYO uh, more inclusive, more available to kids from all backgrounds. Because there's a good chance if you're a really good musician as a kid, there's a good chance you had lessons and lessons are not cheap and support structures are not cheap to become an excellent uh, violin player, uh, which means you probably came from a well-to-do family, right? So y- you don't see a lot of kids from lower income brackets learning music at an early age. Um so Ken McLeod had this mass, massive dream and vision of opening up uh, classical music education and the gift of music to all kids. And he found about this program in Venezuela called El Sistema that uh, brings kids together every single day after school for hours on end, every day after school. And they're, they're teaching close to like three quarters of a million kids every single day how to play music. But they're actually creating really amazing citizens is what they're doing, right? And uh, kids with, with – even if they're coming from the, the poorest barrios and ghettos, these kids are living a life of purpose and it's just amazing. So Ken has been trying to pitch this idea on paper to you know government, to, to decision makers in New Brunswick for a couple of years and it didn't go anywhere. So I said, why don't we find some money and we'll go to Venezuela and come back with a, like a five-minute little video to show what – Maybe we could bring back to New Brunswick. Maybe, so we did. It. And man, yeah. so I, so I, I'm going to yeah. stop. I'm going to. I just got to stop here again because this is a this is an E-rated show. E meaning entrepreneur. And which I love what you just said. Let's go do it. Why don't we find some money and go do it? It wasn't oh oh oh. No, let's go do it. 
and you made it happen. And I love, love that, um, that, uh, that spirit. And I know you do that a lot in your business anyway, but it really is. If we're passionate about it, if it's part of our Northern star, North star, if it's in our DNA, we're going to figure out how to live it. And yeah. that's what you do. So oh, dude, I just, yeah, thanks for saying that. And it's so true. I don't have patience to wait. Uh, and that's probably why I left university after one year, you know, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get going here. Let's go. Uh, and with the film industry, I couldn't wait. I was like, is this, am I, am I going to wait until I climb the ranks? It might take me 20 years before I can make decisions and hopefully decisions that make a nicer environment on sets. Right. I was mm-hmm. like, I gotta go. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so we, we ended up, um, going and shooting this little video in Venezuela, bringing it back and literally rivers within 60 days, the youth orchestra was able to use that video and raise about 150 grand to start the first program in September. And then from that, within that first year, they ended up raising 2 million. And now I think their program is worth is like a $10 million program. And uh, in New Brunswick alone, there's like a thousand kids learning classical music every day. And these are kids from all backgrounds and countries, including South Korea travel to New Brunswick regularly to model a program based on the Sistema program. Sistema has been going for 10 years now. Wow. I never want to say because of our film, the program exists, but it's very clear that if we didn't make that film, it would have taken Ken a lot longer to get that thing off the ground. So I found power in that. And we Mm. started to repeat that over and over and over again. Every year we've, we've been able to repeat it and see direct measurable impact as a result of our documentaries. So I've been trying to bring that spirit over to our commercial clients and say, Hey, we might not be trying to create a music program, but like, what is it that your brand cares about or better yet? What is it that your customers care about that you can get involved with? And how do we help share the story authentically to help bridge that connection between your stakeholder group and you as a company? So that's for literally for the last, let's say five years, I've been focusing on that area of the business. And that's been great because that's really helped us export our services into the U S where there's a, a high density of need, mm. uh, there where there's companies that are doing really good things in the world and they care about social justice and environmental justice as well. And they want to work with storytellers like us to help them authentically share their stories without greenwashing, without social washing. Let's tell real stories that, that, that move. And then, my last little thing I want to say, no, I promise I'm going to shut up, is um, oh, whatever, over the, over whatever the, you and your <laughs> promises. Over the last, <laughs> let's say, let's say ten years, over the last ten years, my team and I have been able to re- redefine the context of our film industry, where. And we're not perfect at all, Rivers. I'd never say we are. Uh, yeah, there's, we, a, there's a lot of people that would agree with you. Yeah, well, you included. <laughs> I know it. Um, where we have really put in a lot of processes and steps to make sure we've got a respectful and loving and creative environment in our workplace and on our film sets. Um, Like I say, we're not perfect. We've had a number of bumps in the road as we try to figure that out. Uh, But it is priority number one to ensure that the work environment that sucked my creativity away from me when I was younger does not get repeated for anybody that works for us. And, uh, uh, Everybody on my leadership team understands that. And uh, so I'm really happy and proud of that. Like I say, I would never say we're ever going to be there 100% because we're human. But um, that is as much of a goal for us as, you know, you know, increasing our profit. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's critical because happy customers, sorry, happy employees create, um, v- put a lot of love into their creativity for happy clients. 
You yeah. know, if I got miserable filmmakers working with me, they're not going to put great yeah. product out. Well, it's, uh, I mean, you just your DNA and alone wouldn't, I mean, after a while, uh, you would start to feel that negativity and you'd move on. So, you know, you, you, you figure out who's important to your journey and their DNA has got to be there. And part of that is this B Corp stuff. Um, I know what a B Corp is, but there's probably some people on this in this conversation who are listening in you that don't know what a B Corp is. Mm-hmm. Hemi's House is a B Corp. Yeah. So tell us, tell us one, what is a B Corp? And why do you need to? I mean, you're, you can do social change. Why yeah. do you need that title? Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm a B Corp. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, certainly nobody needs to be a B Corp, but a B Corp is a certification similar to lead architecture, fair trade, organic. You know, anytime you buy a product, there's certifications on the back. A B Corp certifies that, they're, that a company um, audits not only their impact on the financial bottom line, right? But they yes. honor and measure a triple bottom line. So profit, yes. Planet, and people. So because my company exists, what are the positive and or negative impacts on the planet? So let's say I've got a t-shirt company and I'm using, um, and I'm sourcing my shirts from a, a factory out of Bangladesh. Okay. Do, can I prove that they're not using toxic chemicals that are being dumped in the rivers? Right. right. Uh, or on the people side, can I prove that they're paying their people a living wage and treating their people well? Uh, if you see a B Corp, um, it is very difficult to cheat in those metrics and be a B Corp because uh, the auditing process is so strong. So uh, um, B Corp certification is for companies who um, are committing to go above and beyond typical um, uh behaviors of how we show up as, you know, uh, as corporate entities in our economy. Um, and we are all investing in making sure that we're, we are not, uh, causing the problems that we're trying to fix. You know, we're not Mm. trying. And it's, there's something that's kind of neat about this is, um, there's a scoring, uh, uh, metric to become a B Corp. You need 80 points out of 200 to become a B Corp. And it's, 80. it's very difficult to get 80. Uh, Hemmings House, I think we're 85. Yes. Uh, most B Corps would, would be between the 80 and 95 mark, right? So it's there's a lot of room to grow, right? But the average Canadian company and, and average Canadian companies are doing a lot of good things in the world, right? Um, most average Canadian companies are treating their people really well. Most are, are, uh, you know, uh, keep an eye on their impact on the environment, but I'm not exactly sure the, uh, the score, but the average rating of a Canadian company is about 25 points. So holy think shit about that. So really? just to become certified, you need 80 points. Now it's not as hard as it sounds because what, what B Corp forces you to do is stuff that you want to do for your business anyway. So for example, if you have a maternity and paternity leave policy, right? Um, for your employees, uh, but you don't have documentation to prove it, you don't get a point. But if you, if you're going through the assessment, you're like, Oh, well maybe it's time for me to actually write that policy in, in the employee manual, right? Yes. Uh, force you to write it. Bam. You get your points. And now, you're going to follow it because it's part of your policy, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's not difficult. It just, you're documenting yeah. your company better, right, which is right. good for anybody. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, different things as well, Rivers, like um, 
you know, you, you might have a, a company that by nature isn't great for the environment. For example, maybe you're working in plastics, right? Let's just use that as an example. Yeah, sure. I've, I've got a friend of mine who owns a plastic glove, like a sanitary glove company. He's out of New Zealand. Um, and, um, by nature, he's using a petroleum product. So his supply chain isn't necessarily great for the planet. Okay. He is a high, high scoring B Corp uh, because his social impacts are so huge. His, his numbers are huge on how he gives back, how he treats his employees. But the third way, reason why his not so positive uh, product is scoring so well is because um, – he is using as sustainable of a product as he possibly can. And right. he's trying to cr create less petroleum in these gloves and trying to get all of the food uh, right. and, for example, in all the Costco's around the world to use his product, which is something like, I don't know, 95% less of the, of the bad stuff and far more of the recycled stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so he's, yeah. he's changing an industry to, to prevent more, bad rubbers and plastics to land up and in, in, end up in the landfills. So this is really cool stuff. No, it's, but that's, you know, that's a very good point. The fact is you, we, you know, this, this industry is not going away, and, but that doesn't mean that he's bad. He's well, a businessman. Well, and, and nobody's bad either. Cause like yeah. when, when, uh, the cool thing about B Corp is even though some members wouldn't, wouldn't agree with this, but B Corp as a certification is quite agnostic. Like they're yeah. not, they're not, social justice warriors as, as a certification or environmental warriors as a certification. This, this is just a new economy, millennial dread uh, driven yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, practice of doing balanced business in the economy. It's like most people want to make sure if they buy a product that's not contributing to war um, yeah. or yes. that it's not contributing to, you know, destroying waters in, uh, in, in areas where people need clean water, you know, like this is basic stuff and the B Corp certification just wants, uh, you to, to score high. And if you score higher on environment than social and still get past 80, that's great. And vice yeah. versa. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, Thank you for taking us on that journey. I think it's important. We haven't really talked about B Corp on the on the Startup Canada podcast, so uh, so really uh, really appreciate that. Oh, We're just, one last thing. If anybody wants to look at it, bcorporation.net. You can check out the assessment tool, and you can go through the whole assessment in like ninety minutes for your company for free, and you don't have to become a B Corp. You can just see where you score. So that's kind of a fun little tool. Secondly. Uh, BDC, who is a big supporter of Startup Canada, uh, yes. and as a supporter of everybody. Yes. Um, yes. So the Business Development Bank of Canada, who we all own as taxpayers, they are a B Corp, and they're one of the world's biggest B Corps. Just so you know, so go talk to your local BDC rep and talk to them about B Corp because they actually have a unique tool called Measure What Matters at, in the BDC tool library, I believe, and. Um, they take it through the assessment as well. So there's all these great resources. Uh, that's uh, really cool. And amazing brands like Patagonia is a B Corp. Etsy is a B Corp. Kickstarter is a B Corp. Danone Yogurt is a B Corp. Like it, the list goes on. Yeah, that's so cool. Really, really amazing journey. Um, 
A couple of other things I do want to talk to you, and I, but I want to be uh, respectful of time here. But uh, one of them is that you uh, have, as one of your programs, uh, you take people away mm. to teach them about video editing, if I could make it as rudimentary as that. I know it's bigger than that. I know it's so much storytelling and so on. But here's my, mess- here's my question for you, is that why are you taking people away to places like Greece and Mexico to, and Mexico to do what's the, what's the program called again? Filmpreneur. So yes. filmpreneur.net should take you to the website um, where you can learn more. I say yes. should because it's working right now in front of me, but uh, it, the, <laughs> the website's in flux. So, um, okay. so t- take a look at filmpreneur.net. So why am so I doing it? Uh, well, first of all, yeah. first of all, yeah, it's important because I went, you know, this is all about the business. The entrepreneurs are all about business. So give me a 30 second uh, commercial on what Filmpreneur does. And then I want you to, yeah, specifically that question. Why do you take them away to do what you're going to tell me in sure. the next 30 seconds? Okay. So Filmpreneur does two things, uh, two different tracks. One track is I work with other filmmakers, other startup video company uh, entrepreneurs, and I just help them become better and stronger entrepreneurs because I've been a lifetime entrepreneur like you, Rivers. And yes. That program's a lot of fun because we've got a, a bunch of like-minded people uh, going through an online learning course with me. And then we all end up in a cool place like Playa Viva, Mexico uh, to meet in person, network, and go deeper on workshops. So that's that track. The other track of Filmpreneur is – I, as a film storyteller, work with other entrepreneurs who aren't and help them become masters of their own stories mm. by, by you know, encouraging them to use that little, little TV studio in their pocket, which is their smartphone, and start making their own videos and start representing themselves as the incredible entrepreneurs with a story that they are. Because uh, uh. if you're not using video today on LinkedIn – uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, and, and notice that I say YouTube as the fourth, <laughs> you know, like YouTube yeah. is very powerful, but, uh, that's my order that I just told you right there. If you're not using right. them, um, you're missing out on an amazing opportunity to get people to know you and people want to do business with people they know, right? Sure and they video do. Yep. is the next best thing, uh, you know, second only to having a beer. But I, I so, think when, when, when you pull humans together, Rivers, you can do digital courses, which I do, and digital meetups. And they're amazing and critical. Um, but two, three times a year, if you can pull those people together physically and get in the same room together and do an adventure like in Greece, like we're, we're heading May 24th. By the way, we've got two two seats left if you want to come. I've cool, got cool. 20, 20 people are coming to Greece with us. And these are non-film professionals. This is mostly uh-huh. entrepreneurs. who, yeah. And I'm going to work with all of them. On So after a week of hanging out on the beach and working with me with video, they're going to come home with the videos that they made, uh, you know, uh, and we're going to have enough time because we're hanging out in Greece on the beach. <laughs> we're going to have lots of time to, to teach uh, through, through doing. And that's, that's the benefit of pulling people to exotic yeah. locations and get them yeah. unplugged. Love it. Great guy. Uh, we're going to, we're going to close this amazing conversation and I'm fortunate enough. I can just get in my car and, travel an hour down the road to to see you but uh, this has been uh, to continue our conversation but i knew this was going to be fun i knew it was going to be impactful i knew we would go places that uh, most of the audience might never have gone before and you, you didn't uh, disappoint us at all but let's kind of let's kind of leave with what's 
one of the biggest lessons that you have learned in your journey as an entrepreneur that you would want to leave with the, our audience of thousands and thousands of people? Well, it's, it's, it's almost a cliche at this point saying it, but you got to surround yourself by other people who are smarter than you at all times in every vertical. And, right. and don't let that ego uh, trick you into thinking that you're the one that has to do the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, right. I don't mean that as a lazy way at all. It just means you can't do it all. So, right. you know, I'm not the best filmmaker by any means in my company, you know, and I can't be. If I am, I'm right. in trouble, you know? Right. So, right. and that goes to accounting. Don't do your uh-huh. own accounting if you're not good with uh-huh. numbers. Uh-huh. Don't uh-huh. represent yourself in court. If you're not right. a good lawyer, you know right. What I mean? right? Yeah. Well, but here's what's interesting: you wouldn't do that. Right. You wouldn't. You wouldn't represent yourself in court if you were not a good lawyer. So why do you try to do stuff in your business that you're not good at? Stay focused uh, on that one thing. And you know what? I don't even. I can't even tell you what I'm good at. But I, the one thing that I, I feel comfortable with is sharing my story and helping share other people's stories and yeah. i've got other people that fill in the, in the dots on how to make that happen you know so so you're you're a believer that the business is a team sport amen greg hemmings great job so we're gonna go we've got access to uh, the filmpreneur we know where we're going with that we've got uh, at greg hemmings on twitter is there any other place that if people want to hang out with you that they should be going to you can find uh the hemmings house facebook i'm publishing a lot there i don't publish too much on Twitter, um, a little bit, but uh, Instagram and uh, the Facebook are really great places to to find me. And check out our website at hemmingshouse.com. And I'm soon to develop a really cool Hemmingshouse YouTube channel, so keep an eye out for that. Right on, dude. We'll keep on happening. I uh, look forward to the next beer I have with you. You're a rock star. Let's make it awesome. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern.